Listening to the Seek First podcast for students with Stephanie Akiyama and Kurt Petershawn. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us today on the Seek First student podcast. Yes. I'm here once again. Stephanie Akiyama. Stephanie Akiyama, and I'm Kurt yeah. Petershawn. So thank you all for joining us. Um, Happy Good Friday. In yeah. in all honesty, we had a little bit of a different plan today. Um, but as we were just thinking about it yesterday, we were having some conversation and we were thinking, man, it's Good Friday. So yes. obviously we need to talk about that. We were going to kind of continue our dating um, stuff and conversation <laughs> this week, but we'll put that off till next week. I think you guys will be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this kind of supersedes uh, it just you know, a little with, bit. Yeah. <laughs> with, it being, with it being Holy Week and uh, leading up to Easter here and Good Friday uh, today, we uh, just thought it would be really, um, honestly, just important and good that we just take some time to just kind of look at the crucifixion, the passion, mm-hmm. what we call the passion right. of Christ. So here's what we're going to do today. It's going to be a little different. Uh, bear with us. We didn't prepare as much for this one, um, but it, hopefully it's just going to be a good conversation. Yeah. I think, you know, Stephanie and I, we'll just, we'll just talk a little bit. And um, what, what we're going to do is we're going to read through uh, the book of John, chapter 19 mainly. Um, and we'll talk about some other scriptures as well, but we're going to read John 19. Um, that is the what we call, again, the passion of the Christ, um, the crucifixion of Jesus, the kind of the trial and, and the death of Jesus and his burial. So you can actually get a Bible out if you want to read along as we yeah. do this. Um, you don't have to. You can just kind of listen. And and like I said, we'll pause from time to time and we'll just we'll, we'll talk a little bit. So if it's all right, let's just jump right in. Let's do it. Uh, John chapter 19. So we'll start uh, start on verse one. Now, just a quick um, context here. So Jesus has been arrested. He's been betrayed by Judas Iscariot. He's been arrested at this point. He's been put on trial. Um, so now we just kind of pick up the story where uh, the Roman governor, his name is Pilate, he has, um, he kind of is, is parading Jesus now in front of the people to kind of make his final verdict. Right. right. What am, what am I going to do with this guy? Because the Romans are in charge. The Jews have just kind of handed them, handed Jesus over to the Romans. And, uh, Pilate is ultimately the one who has to make this decision. So, yeah. so here we go. This is John 19, starting verse one. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him with a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? 
Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So we're going to stop there. Um, that's kind of half the story. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, let's just kind of talk about what, what we want to do is just kind of, we're just going to talk about things we, we noticed there and just um, have a little conversation around, around yeah. that. So I don't know for you, what? Yeah, I so Pilate, um, I think that he was really a little shaken up by Jesus. I think that he had probably heard all of the things that Jesus had done. Mm -hmm. And he actually asks the most appropriate question, I feel like, because when uh, Pilate heard the statement that uh, Jesus claimed to be the son of God. Now, now, Greek Greek mythology, like they thought that the gods (laughs) could take human form and come and hang out with people. And so the most appropriate question, I think, that anyone asked Jesus was, where are you from? Like, Where do you come like, from? Like, who are you yeah. really? That seemed to shake him up. It did. Well, and if you read, I can't remember if John's gospel, um, if it's in this account, but remember Pilate's wife mm-hmm. had come to him and said, do not murder wash that man. Yes, wash yeah. your hands of this because I had a dream about him. Mm-hmm. And so Pilate, I feel like he keeps coming to the Jews, giving them opportunity yep. after opportunity after mm-hmm. opportunity to do the right thing because he found no good guilt in Jesus because yeah. there was none to find. Yeah. And he, you know, and there, there seems to be this play a little bit with Pilate and the Jew. Like you can tell Pilate doesn't have a lot of respect for the Jews. Yeah. He, he just doesn't care for them very much. Yes. And they've brought, they have brought him, this man, this, this Jesus who, like you said, I'm sure he's heard a lot about him. He might've even seen him before. I don't know. Right. He, he Jesus he's caused a, a little bit of a, yeah. Yeah, he caused a little bit of commotion. I'm sure. Right. And, and Pilate knew who this guy was. Um, but, you know, he seems to almost be messy. He puts the purple robe on him. He puts yeah. the crown of thorns on him and parades Jesus out in front of them just to kind of make them mad. Yeah. You know, like, and it, and it works. Yeah. Like they see, it says they, they, when they see him with the shit, with the, with the crown and the purple robe, that's when they're like, man, kill him, crucify him. Right. And, um, so gosh, there's just so much, it's just, it's just wicked and just, you know, it's ugly. The whole thing is ugly because yeah. obviously the Jews have handed him over from their jealousy is what we see too in this story. Yeah. They are so jealous of him right he claims to be the son of god and right um but then Pilate's kind of just mocking them and messing with them they're they're kind of they try to appeal to their own law but then they appeal to caesar right because they say uh Pilate, you know who he's claiming to be a king right Pilate, 
Right. And if you don't and kill him, Caesar's the only king. Right. What's yeah. Caesar going to do to you? Yeah. So you, you know, they're and they so they're playing right back to Pilate. They're smart. They are smart, and yeah. they're, they're trying to get him to kind of go. Oh yeah, you know, maybe yeah. I should because I don't want to face you know. Yes. Caesar. But the whole time, God has each of them mm-hmm. exactly where He wants them. Yeah. They think they're the kings, but right. they are the pawns <laughs> right. in exactly. all of this. So as Absolutely. this plays out, guys, just remember. God is not shocked by any of this that goes on. These guys are playing into God's plan A. (laughs) Like, yes, God didn't go, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. I've got to figure something out. Yeah. All of this is God's plan A. Yeah. And the fact that as you read this account, so just for if if you're listening to this, um, you know, there are four gospel accounts. You might not know this. There are four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all depict um, various stories of Jesus' life. They all depict the crucifixion, the passion. Um, And they they give some different angles. Obviously, John had his own perspective. John is the only one we see at the cross. Um, The other disciples, you know, aren't, they they kind of scattered away. But anyway, uh, Luke gives an account. Matthew gives an account. Mark gives an account. Um, so they're all seeing it from a little bit of a different perspective, but what's so amazing is as you read, if you read all four accounts of this, what you're going to see is they all reference old Testament prophecy and scriptures that were already written about the very events taking place. And I love that you said that, like they're all, they all feel like they're in charge of Jesus here, but the reality is, and Jesus said that to Pilate, right? You would have no authority if I were not handed (laughs) over to you. Like who's, whose call was this? That's exactly right. No one takes my life from me, Jesus says elsewhere. No one takes my life from me. I yeah. lay it down um, of my own accord. So like the, the the writers of the Gospels are so intent on us knowing and remembering <laughs> everything happening here yeah. has already been written. That's exactly and they are just playing right. into the hands of God exactly what he wanted to happen. As, yes. as ugly as it is, yes. as terrible as it is. Right. Um, I mean, you can't read Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 That's exactly without right. seeing I've these, got Isaiah 53 right here. Yeah, let me read. These let, events. Me, let me read what we are talking about. Isaiah 53, 3 through 5 says. Written. What, 600 years before these events? Yes, that's exactly right. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But... He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Yeah. So good. And again, you can read Psalm 22 as well. Yes. It really pretty well describes crucifixion a yes. thousand years before crucifixion was invented. Right. The Persians um, came up with crucifixion, but the Romans perfected right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just incredible. Um, okay. So let's read on a little bit and um, we'll, we'll stop around verse 27. So here's verse 16. We'll start there. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, 
but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one place from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, this is Psalm 22, 8, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So right there again, we see um, some scripture. And I, I said Psalm 22 a minute ago, that's uh, what we see where the soldiers are crucifying him. They're dividing his clothes up. That's straight yeah. from Psalm 22. Um, and then just another scripture that um, I just have this note written in my Bible from Exodus 29, uh, that they led Jesus outside the city. And that was a command actually yes. from the book of Exodus that the sacrifice right. had to be done outside the city for the, the sacrifice of atonement, um, which is very interesting where, man, how the Bible just continues to work together and um all the old testament just points to christ and points to his redemptive work and where you know the the sacrifice had to be led outside the city and so he is led outside the city not again unbeknownst to the romans they could care less where you know or what the scriptures say but they are doing exactly what the scriptures say yes look um i was thinking um we had talked about earlier I, i had read that uh back then that the romans would usually put a placard mm-hmm. uh, they would hang it from the person to be crucified they would hang it from their neck and it would have their name and what they had done yeah. against rome because rome the reason for crucifixion was because the romans wanted them to be an example like don't mess they want with this to rome. be as ugly and the, yes, scary was and terrible as it horrible could be. Yeah. and even after they died they would leave them up there for all the critters to eat I, it was it was horrific but um so jesus was crucified with two thieves mm-hmm. on either side of him and we're going to see that in a minute but when when um pilate wrote on his sign there was nothing to accuse him of and so he just wrote his name and who he was yeah and that was so different from yeah. anyone else that they had ever crucified, yeah. which I thought was super cool because the Jews, yeah. he was, yeah. and he had done nothing wrong. He was. That's such an. I love that you brought that up because it's such. That's that's a great. I've never read that that way. I never really yeah. thought about it like that. How um and and that's why the Jews they get mad about it, right? Because yes. they're supposed to have a placard that says what they did right. wrong. Put blasphemer on there is right. probably what yes. the Jews wanted. Yeah, and and. Pilate had nothing. He, right. And he brought it to them again and again, like, what has this guy done? He's done nothing. I washed my hands of it. I can't. And so I'm just going to write King of the Jews. That's what y'all are mad about. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. And uh, and that is exactly like you said. I love that because that is who he was. Yes. They're mocking him and they're making fun of him or whatever. Oh, right. here's your king. Yeah. But that is who he That's was. That's who he was. And That's exactly they're ticked right. off about it. But yeah. Um, and he says, what I have written, I have written. Yeah. Right. And again, it's just like this. You can just see God's hand in this. Like All of it. I'm going to make sure that this is done the way I decided it would be done. And even in the horrific nature of this, the glory of, of God and of Christ. Yes. Just, man, it just shines through. Yes. And that is um, 
That's why I love reading scripture. <laughs> I know. God just leaves these little breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. If we're paying attention, yep. he leaves these, these little breadcrumbs that lead to him, right? Like I say all the time, we don't read, we read the word of God to know the God of the word, mm-hmm. not just so we have lots of knowledge, but so that we know yeah. him. And so when we read the story, it points to his sovereignty yep. over and over his glory. And I love it. And how about that? Just the end of that story with... um Here's your mother, here's your son, you know? So precious. I mean, you got to imagine, again, like you said, the Romans perfected this torture. Yeah. It's horrible. And I mean, it is excruciating. You're you're literally, I'm not going to get into all of it, but I mean, your your bones are being ripped out of socket. You're suffocating is, is you know, an asphyxiate. I mean, that right. is what's going on as you're yeah. hanging on across. Gravity is right. killing you. And you have to blood push yourself up yes. by your feet that have been pierced Miserably in order to horrible. get air. Right. Yeah. And so Jesus, going through that, has yeah. the wherewithal in this moment to look at his mom, yeah, you know, and and to look out for her, yeah, you know, hey, John, and John's the disciple who reference John's writing this gospel. Yeah. He says the disciple Jesus loved. He, he was maybe Jesus's best friend, yeah. And Jesus just says to John, hey, this is your mom now, yeah, you know, as in, you know, she would have no one else to take care of her. Which is funny because we read that Jesus did have other brothers and sisters, right? right? And so, yeah. it's, but it's almost like G- Jesus, of course, knows the future. Mm-hmm. He knows that, at least we know James mm-hmm. didn't make it far. Um, and he, Jude, his other brother, yeah, yeah, didn't make it didn't far. Make it far. Right. Um, but also that um, the church of Jesus Christ or the, the, the relationships that we have in the church um, can be as strong or stronger mm-hmm. than blood. Right. Um, and his other brothers may never, may never have followed him. Right. And, you know what I mean? So maybe yeah. that was part of it. Yeah. But man, just the, I, I'm just amazed at the wherewithal of Jesus, yeah. the, the intentionality of him hanging there excruciatingly in pain and, and to be able to look at his mom and go, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, yeah. you know? It's oh man, so good. It gets me a little bit. It's <laughs> so, so good. good. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 28. Later, knowing that all was completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So there we go again. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus's lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. 
So we'll pause there again. Um, so there's John kind of putting himself in the story a little bit yeah. to say, hey, I was there. This is I. This is an eyewitness account. Eyewitness, yeah. Saw it happen. Um, they didn't break his leg, so he's referencing some some Old Testament scripture there. Mm-hmm. Um, they they pierced his side. He's referencing Old Testament scripture again. I believe that's that's the one from Zechariah 12. Um, he's just saying, you know, again, this is God's plan. And even down to the fact that they decided not to break his bones. Exactly. Right? Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. It shows that God is sovereign the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny when I was rereading over this, um, and it says that they they gave him um, some of the sour wine on a hyssop branch. Man, I was just brought back to the first Passover mm-hmm. um, when they took the hyssop mm-hmm. branch and painted the blood over the door frame yeah. uh, in order for, you know, the spirit to, to pass over. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think that God is very intentional of yeah. bringing, cer- why was it a hyssop some branch? Imagery you know? and some <laughs> yes. symbols. And- yes, bringing it back. Yeah. Um, so I love that. The, okay. So the, I am thirsty, right? Again, back to the, the wherewithal of Jesus, right? Right. He's so present <laughs> in this moment. I mean, I, I can't even imagine just how you can not just be writhing in agony, but have the thought, right? So it's like, so here's what it says again. It says later, knowing all that was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So it's like, it, it was like, there was this moment where he's on the cross and he's going, okay. I guess he's thinking through his life. You know, he's having that, like, kind of his life is flashing before his eyes. Did I do everything? Did I complete what I came here to do? Was I fully and completely the prophesied Messiah? Yes, I was. But there's one more thing, right? There's one thing that I haven't yet done, and I have to do this to complete it. And this was another prophecy where it says that he would would thirst on the cross. And so he says, I'm thirsty. It's like... I'm 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 not willing to be ninety nine percent Messiah. Right. Yes. I will be one hundred percent all the way. There's one more thing I haven't done this yet. So here we go. Hey, I'm thirsty, and they they give him the drink. So again, man, just the it's incredible to me. Just that he and then he says that that it is finished. Like now, now, right? I did it all. Paid in full. Paid in full. I've completed it. Yeah. Um. I love so that. good. You want to go to the burial? Yeah. All right. Let's Let's read it. Verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. (sighs) So there's the end. He is buried. So much (laughs) just in this, just... Just the fact that um, it wasn't Jesus's family mm-hmm. or even his disciples or even people he had healed or taught yeah. who took him down from the cross and buried him. It was right. two members of the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. And we saw Nicodemus back in John 3 right. um, and knew that he was questioning. Um, but now we see him come back. Yeah. 
Um, and it is, it's so awesome. 75 pounds of these aloe and myrrh. Like that was, that was a rich man's burial. Yeah. That was a, oh, yeah. that was a whole honking bunch of money. And so they have spent that on him, get permission mm-hmm. to take his body. Now, just imagine taking his body down from the cross. What? These were rich men. Mm-hmm. They could have gotten servants to do this nasty business. They could have done, yeah. but, but they, yeah who were rich, got his body down from the cross, wrapped it, cleaned it. There was a, there was a Jewish custom where you couldn't, um, you couldn't anoint the body or wrap it in its burial cloths without um, pulling out every single splinter. I- anything mm. that was a foreign object yeah. had to be taken from the body. So literally, they had to pull every splinter. They had to make sure that, that all of the metal from the nails that pierced him were out of his body before they could start anointing him and wrapping him. And this was, you know, we question Nicodemus. Eh, it doesn't really say that he was his disciple, but good gravy. In order to do that, yeah, I just... Uh, he I, certainly had a great <laughs> respect, res- at yes. least, if yes. not a, a, a an outright affection and... Love for yes. I don't know maybe I know we, I hope we, he, I know we, we hopefully we'll see him in heaven. Yeah. So yes. Nicodemus, like you see, he's he's in John three. We see he's the one who has the conversation with Jesus, where Jesus, we, John three sixteen. You know that right. that was Nicodemus. Yeah, he's a he was a teacher. He was uh you know a guy that and, and we don't see him again until there. Right, very know, so esteemed, very man. esteemed, very high yes. in the Jewish. You know, and then even Joseph of Arimathea again another prophecy that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Yes, and he is. Yeah. Um, but man, again, just the. Yeah, I love that you kind of brought up that imagery of, you know, these two kind of rich, well-off, well-respected men being there. Not only— In front of everyone. Just to be there is, was enough, right. right? I mean, they're there, and they, they stay to the end. I mean, because this is an ugly thing to watch. Oh, my god! People didn't like to watch that stuff. Yeah. Nobody wanted to watch that, but they did. They wouldn't even talk um, about it in proper conversation. Right. They, they they didn't mention crucifixion. It's ugly enough. Yeah. And then, you know, and being good Jews, you don't touch dead bodies. No. You don't do this, and, and they do, especially— in when it's not your family member. It's not, yeah. you know, maybe if it's your family member, but yeah. But then, yeah, to pay the 75 pounds of, of myrrh and aloes, wrap it and do all the, the spices and the linens and, and all the things and to put him in a new tomb, yeah. right? A new tomb that had been cut out of the rock that where no one had yet been laid. Yeah. Um, I think that's just a, you know, some, some good, um, detail from John there. Um, again, John was there. John watched these events happen. So again, just the veracity of the scriptures of the eyewitness accounts right. of these things. Right. right. And that's one of the reasons I, I think we can fully trust what the Bible says on these things. You yeah. Know, the eyewitness accounts. But. And then hearkening back where it says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. Mm-hmm. And I just think the first sacrifice yep. was in a garden. Yep. And this is the last. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah. In the Garden of Eden. And this is the last. And they both happened in a garden. Super cool. The Bible is so rich. And <laughs> very intentional. So intentional. Yeah. So, so, so good. Hey, read from that, the last little bit there. Um, so tell tell, okay, tell our folks what you got there. So I have um, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is probably one of my most favorite things to read when I'm trying to get my mind, when I'm trying to picture what is happening in uh, a biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, my One of my most favorite things to do um, is to break out the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's one of my most favorites. Like I, I use it um, 
just to just to get the flavor and the vibe of what's going on. And so um, I'm going to read to you um, this account. It won't be nearly as long as John 19, but I want I want you to hear um, how, how it's portrayed uh, from the Jesus Storybook Bible. So I'm going to start um, at the cross. Uh, it says they nailed Jesus to the cross. Father, forgive them. Jesus gasped. They don't understand what they're doing. You say you've come to rescue us, people shouted, but you can't even rescue yourself. But they were wrong. Jesus could have rescued himself. A legion of angels could have flown to his side if he'd called. If you were really the son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course, they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have just said a word and made it all stop. Like when he healed that little girl and stilled the storm and fed 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Papa... Jesus cried, frantically searching the sky. Papa, where are you? Don't leave me. And for the first time, and the last, when he spoke, nothing happened. Just a horrible, endless silence. God didn't answer. He turned away from his boy. Tears rolled down Jesus' face the face of the one who would wipe away every tear from every eye. And even though it was midday, a dreadful darkness covered the face of the world. The sun could not shine. The earth trembled and quaked. The great mountains shook. Rocks split in two until it seemed that the whole world would break, that creation itself would tear apart. The full force of the storm of God's fierce anger at sin was coming down on his own son instead of his people. It was the only way God could destroy sin and not destroy his children whose hearts were filled with sin. Then Jesus shouted out in a loud voice, It is finished. And it was. He had done it. Jesus had rescued the whole world. Father, Jesus cried, I give you my life. And with a great sigh, he let himself die. Strange clouds and shadows filled the sky. Purple, orange, black, like a bruise. And Jesus' friends gently carried Jesus They laid him in a new tomb, carved out of rock. How could Jesus die? What had gone wrong? What did it mean? They didn't know anything anymore, except they knew their hearts were breaking. Well, that's the end of Jesus, the leader said. But just to be sure, they sent strong soldiers to guard the tomb. They hauled a huge stone in front of the door to the tomb so that no one could get in or out. Or out. So, thank you for reading that. Again, the storybook Bible, 
Jesus storybook Bible. Yeah. Um, man, just such a beautiful story. The, mm. the, the, the real story. It's a beautiful yeah. story. And I love the way that, that kind of puts it for simpler terms for us. And, um, man, just to think about the imagery of that and the, but the reality that it was, um, so I think we can just end it here just to say, um, man, it is Good Friday and we call it Good Friday. It's a kind of an oxymoron of terms, but how, how bad that day was. But at the same time, I mean, the, the, the worst day in human history, but also yeah. the most glorious, true, amazing, beautiful yes. thing that has ever happened. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. Absolutely. Good Friday. And because of Good Friday... Man, we can have a relationship with the Father. And yeah. what we're going to celebrate in a couple of days, that he stayed in that tomb. He did stay in that tomb right. until the third day. Yeah. And um, on the third day, we're going to we're gonna celebrate that our Jesus is not dead. That's he exactly right. Um, hey, look, if, if you have somewhere to go and celebrate and worship this Easter, um, praise Jesus for that. I hope that you guys have a fantastic Easter. If you don't, we'd love to have you at Eastridge. Um, 8 a.m., 9, 30, and 11, we will have three services. But again, like I said, if you have somewhere that you do that and, and you worship and gather together with the people of God, just yes, to celebrate. God bless that. you. Yeah. Just to Enjoy. celebrate that Jesus is not dead. Um, yes. Please do it. And like we said, just have, have an awesome Easter. But today, here's my encouragement today, just to, you know, don't, let's not skip over what we read today. Let's mm. not skip over the cross right. and remember that Sunday is amazing because Friday really happened. Yeah. And um, as, as terrible as it is. So just maybe take today, reflect on these words, read it for yourself again. Maybe the, the accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and or John mm -hmm. or all of them. Yeah. Um, think about what they mean and gosh, think about your own sin and the fact that this was the price. This was the price of sin. God hates it that much. Yeah. He hates sin that much and he has wrath against sin so much so that he would put his own son on a cross mm. for for us. So let's just let the weight of that sink in today and so that this Sunday would be even greater of a celebration. Yeah. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Good Friday and happy Easter this yeah. Sunday. As always, seek, seek first, first the, the kingdom, kingdom of, of God. God. Thank you for listening to the Seek First podcast. We hope and pray that you have been encouraged and empowered to seek first the kingdom and righteousness of God in every area of your life. If you are a teen or young adult and have a question or topic that you would like Stephanie and Kurt to discuss on Seek First, simply email kurt at eastridge.church. Until next time, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.